Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Jason Harriet. Harriet? <laughs> Jason Harriet. Here, so he's busy taking a selfie of himself. I was going to put it on social for yeah. us to be like, hey, recording new episodes. That, that's good, but also get your name right. Um, uh, Jackson Harris? No, that's not it. It's I'm Jason Harris, comedian. Filmmaker, just a kid from Jersey trying to make it. Yeah, yeah, Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we. I don't have anything else to say about Jersey. You know, ever. you know, uh, you know how you make it is uh, getting your name right. So, uh, <laughs> so you're, you're you're failing is what uh, you're saying. I think we've known that for a long time. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so in this season of Awesome Movie Year, we've been talking about the films of 1989, and in this episode, we've got. The pick from our excellent producer, David Rosen. What did you pick for us to talk about, Dave? I picked UHF. And I'm very glad that you did All because right. I, too, love UHF. And I, I would have maybe had it as my pick, but I was able to pick Heather's, which, which I also love even more. And yet we can talk about so many of my favorite movies this season. It's really the banner year for you. You've got three of your favorite movies in this. Yeah, season. we talked about Batman earlier and uh, and then Heather's and now this. So, uh I'm excited and uh I'm not sure uh Jason, had you ever seen this movie before? I had. I okay. had as a kid uh in the glory days of video stores, you sure. know. Um, and that's one of the fun research points on this is that how difficult it was to see this movie because I didn't really give it a proper home video release till 2002. Right. So it kind of got this cult following and traded and, you know, talked about, and I love, I love stories like that, you know? Yeah. So, so you had seen this though, as a kid, I did see this. Yeah. Kid, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. Cause Dave, obviously having picked this is, is a huge weird Al Yankovic fan. This is weird. Al. Yeah. Well, you guys went to a weird Al concert. Too. We've two, gone to a couple weird Al concerts three, together. I think, didn't we? I think different states too. Yeah. Two. We, we drove to Utah one time and then we went to one here at the Smith. <laughs> well, meanwhile, I can't get this guy to go to LA to see like new order and the pet shop boys. over here. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if they got weird Al on the bill too, then maybe he that would go. That would be a nice uh, lineup. Yeah, that would be a weird juxtaposition <laughs> yeah, that would be but so i'm also a, a big weird al fan and so i'd seen this movie many times uh i don't specifically remember the first time but i doubt i saw it in a theater because as you said it was not really that widely released both in the theater and and on home video but i'm sure i watched it on vhs or something because I was a fan of Weird Al since I was like eight years old. That was the, one of the first cassettes I ever got when I got a cassette Walkman when I was like eight was a Weird Al tape. Yeah. It's one of these movies where like, oh, this it was Orion who released it, right? right. And they're like, this is going to save the studio. And it's like, man, if you have to pin all your hopes on one movie for that, like that one is unfair to that to any movie yeah and two uh if you're putting it on uhf a weird al <laughs> satire you could just file for bankruptcy right now and and they did yeah <laughs> so so dave did you see this as a kid too oh yeah and that's interesting that it didn't get a proper release like you said until much later because i remember having the tape and watching it all the time i wonder where i got it yeah i uh i may still have at home my vhs tape where i recorded it off of like hbo or yeah. showtime and that was what I had. I didn't have a tape that I bought. I had like a recording that I made. And that's what, did you have that? Did you have? I don't remember because I watched it constantly growing up 
all the way through until I got whatever that first version that was fully released was. But yeah, yeah. I I watched it over and over too, and I I don't remember like being aware of it being unavailable. I mean, I think all I knew was that it was on TV and I love Weird Al. And so I taped it and then I watched it over and over again. So uh, yeah, I'd seen it many times. But uh, as, we're, as we're mentioning, it was not a successful movie when it first came out. Uh, it was a box office failure, grossed $6.1 million on its budget of $5 million, which is certainly... They spend more than that on marketing and prints and whatnot. So it definitely did not make the money that it uh, was hoped to make. As Jason was just saying, the studio Orion was in trouble already and was hoping for this to be a big hit. It got great test screenings and then it just totally bombed. And critics hated it. Um, <laughs> they really did. I was looking. There were some really harsh reviews. Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down. And I watching their little segment, uh, it was it was kind of funny how just like contemptuous they were of this movie and of Weird Al in general. Both of them claimed that they did not laugh once during this film. And Siskel even said, I was flabbergasted at how little uh, humor there was. in this he, movie. He is. He also said in his review, never has a comedy tried so hard and failed so often to be funny. Which I, if I was the UHF like marketing team, I would have put that on the poster. Yeah, right? they could have yeah. done something because it was real. It was real harsh. Yeah. Um. So Ebert, yeah, Siskel, I think had given it zero stars in his review. Right, and Ebert maybe one. Ebert, Ebert gave it one star, and uh, he said, "Somewhere there is an audience for UHF. I have no doubt. And somewhere this weekend, someone may laugh at some of its attempts at humor." Weird Al Yankovic has had a lot of success with his parodies, songs and music videos spinning off of Michael Jackson and other easy targets. But this is the dreariest comedy in many a month, a depressing slog through recycled formulas. Those who laugh at UHF should inspire our admiration. In these dreary times, we must treasure the easily amused. So, yeah, you <laughs> stupid idiots. Look at you. Ignorance is bliss. Enjoy a movie. So. Yeah, he just had so much contempt. He also said uh, of Weird Al's performance that it was uh, a dispirited vacuum at the center of many scenes. <laughs> yes, he, <laughs> he did. did not, he did not yes. appreciate no, his, he, his he, acting. He really uh, hated it. And so, okay, I found a couple of slightly less harsh reviews. Des and Thompson in the Washington Post said, UHF is not a uniformly funny experience unless you have to wear a bib and tend to laugh at anything, such as sudden gusts of wind. Yankovic, co-writing with manager Jay Levy, who also directed, goes for gag after gag. Some hit, some miss. You laugh, you cry. But the funniest thing in the movie, most will agree, is performer Michael Richards who you may remember was the funniest thing on the ill-fated comedy TV series Fridays. Nuttier and more innocently endearing than Pee Wee Herman, he's an out-there janitor naive called Stanley Spadowski, who takes over a kiddie show and becomes big money with goofy spasmodic charm. As momentarily amusing as Weird Al's send-ups can be, Richard Stick... Richard... Jason Stick. Yes, thank you. <laughs> is lastingly funnier. UHF is more likely to be remembered as his debut. So there's some positive. So there. he thinks that you have to be uh, a bib-wearing dunce to wear the, to watch it. But he did like Michael Richards, who I was 
pretty mesmerized by watching yeah, this again. I think Michael Richards is great in this movie, and I can definitely see that if you know he wasn't that well known other than having been on Fridays, which is known mainly for being a failure, uh, that this would make a big splash. You for know, him. and the fir- this is what I liked about Michael Richards in the first few scenes. You're like, um, th- this is a weird movie, obviously, and then Michael Richards is even much weirder than that. You're like. <laughs> He might be just doing his own movie without realizing he's in someone else's movie right now, but uh, it just works. Like, cause he's he's pretty captivating with his uh, physicality. He is, and I think he's very aware. I mean, this was written with him in mind, right. and uh, he really got into it. I I think he knows exactly what they wanted out of him, and he's delivering it very well. So finally, Michael Wilmington in the L.A. Times said. In UHF, writer star Weird Al Yankovic tries to jam dozens of movie and TV parodies into the kind of dopes-on-the-job plot that was already a self-parody in the days of the first Police Academy. The parodies are sometimes amusing in a talk-back-to-the-TV-screen sort of way, but the movie they're stuck in is beyond send-ups. The problem with UHF is that everything in it is a parody. The only logic for anything that happens is that there's some new thing to make fun of, mostly inanely. It's not much of a movie. But hey, give these daffy, goofy guys a break. Where would the film industry be without them? So he's basically saying that this is just like every other dumb Hollywood movie, which I don't think that's true. Really? I think he's just giving uh, a little more credence to like, hey, stoners, here's something new for you. <laughs> you know, I guess. But I mean, there's and elsewhere in that review. He, he goes into the idea that this is, you know, something that Hollywood does over and over with the, the dumb guys, you know, uh, flail through life or whatever well i mean no yeah they do that is definitely and then and in this one it was we got to save the station right and all the rest is we got to save the rec center right we got to save grandma's house you know like this is classic 101 high concept comedy right there so yeah the the plot is not super original and i don't think anyone involved in the movie would claim that it is and and it doesn't need to be because like it's about the um the the shows and the parodies that they do put on so if you don't like those you're not gonna like the movie at all yes and that was the case for everyone every critic (laughs) every critic yeah i was trying to find mick lasalle in the san francisco chronicle i couldn't find the whole review so i didn't use it but on metacritic they had the little snippet and he said something like this movie is 90 minutes of weird al which is 85 minutes too many Uh it's funny because like it's not like um like I was writing down and we'll probably talk more about it in the legacy sections, like these one off weird character um, comedian movies. Right. Like yeah. chairman of the board carrot top. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Which chairman would of the be board. which would be Dave's pick for 98 if we ever do it. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's not but like Weird Al was like universally like accepted as like a cool like avant, you know, like I, see, I think act. at this time. He was successful, but he didn't have the sort of beloved nature that he has now. Really? I think so. I feel like we saw him all over MTV and like, yeah, he was like an accepted part of the pop culture. Unlike Carrot Top, who has always been a punchline. Yeah. Even though he's crushing the game out here. He is literally crushing things with his large muscles a lot of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Not not with his watermelon sledge-o-matic. That's Gallagher. Gallagher, right? Did Gallagher ever have a movie? No, but he should. But uh, he should now. Yeah, now right. is the time for the Gallagher movie. <laughs> one year, uh, this has nothing to do with UHF, but one year for Halloween, I went as Gallagher. And then I met Gallagher months after, and I showed him a picture of me as Gallagher. And all he did was, 
uh, show me all the things I did wrong, which if you know Gallagher's reputation is what he does to like every comedian and all his opening acts. And I was like, this is a perfect interaction with Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Cause he's known for being like mean and bitter and weird. Al is known generally, whether you like his music or not, like for being such a nice Happy friendly guy. Yeah. 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 Gallagher wasn't mean. He was just like, well, here's what you did wrong here. And here's what you know. And I was like, at least we're not on stage doing this right now. You know, <laughs> that would have been even better. Would you not have loved to be on stage with uh, Gallagher as yes. he criticized your Gallagher he, costume or or my act, like what he does, which is what he used to do. He would walk on stage while his opening acts were on and like critique their jokes as he was telling them. And I'd be like, "What a horrible uh, situation!" Yes, I would love that. All yeah. Time. Well, Gallagher seems like a terrible guy, but Weird Al, nice guy. And uh, I we'll guess- be back next week. <laughs> yeah. No. Comedian review. Yes. So, did you do you have any other uh, statistical uh, things you want? Well, no. I thought it was interesting that it took them. You know, it took years for them to get this made, which um, was one thing. And then finally, you know, Ryan's like, "If you can do it for less than five million, we'll we'll do it for you." And then I thought um, one other fun thing was um, as the home video market was so huge then the names in other countries you know like oh yeah internationally it was released as the vidiot from uhf even though weird al just wanted it to be the vidiot and then the last thing was uh um in mexico it was released as los telelocos (laughs) the the tv crazies that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Los Telelocos would be a good band name right, right now. Right. So. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, because even the idea of UHF stations, I feel like by 1989, that was waning. I don't remember yeah. watching any UHF. Cable was coming on. Yeah. And... So it was already kind of a dated thing that people might not know what it means. Teleloco. All right. Well, we'll uh, come back then in a moment and talk our general thoughts on Los Telelocos. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1989, we're talking about Weird Al Yankovic's UHF, the pick from our producer, David Rosen. And let's let Dave have the first crack at this. Why do you love UHF, Dave? Well, you know, I I actually did rewatch it, you know, in anticipation of this conversation. Yeah, I did. I I watched this one. All right. I started out, I was going to make notes of like some of my favorite moments. And within the first like five minutes, I had like 12 bullet points. And I was like, I can't take any more notes. I'm just going to watch this. It's just minute after minute, just nonstop ridiculous laughs, you know? It is. It's really funny. I mean, and I have seen it maybe not as many times as you have, but certainly on many times and stuff like that with a comedy, you figure after that many times, you're not going to laugh at it anymore. Yeah. But I still laughed at multiple things, I think, in this movie when I watched it again recently. So, yeah, it's funny to, I mean, and this is the thing about comedy being so subjective. And I've been, you know, as a critic in screenings full of people in these comedies that I think are just incredibly idiotic. And I'm sitting there just like stone faced and everyone around me is laughing. Mm. So it's such a subjective thing. But it's, you know, it was funny to watch that Siskel and Ebert segment where they're just in disbelief that anyone could ever laugh at this. And and <laughs> I laughed at a ton of it. And I'm sure as a kid, I laughed the whole time. What were your three biggest laughs this time? Oh, I don't know. I didn't write them down. Well, off the top of your head. Um, man, I do love the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. 
I think that's. Uh, I was going to ask you if you've ever uh, tried that, Josh. No, I have not. Did you? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't. He had to eat like seven of them. Yeah, there's a thing I think on Wikipedia or something that he had to eat, and then he became a vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, like I thought, but like what? That's not laugh out loud. That's just like. Oh, well, maybe that's, not. That's, I, that's just yeah. That's just the thing I like. I mean, it's more just like the silly lines that are just like random thing. I think. Um, Raul's Wild Kingdom teaching poodles how to yes. fly. That always makes me laugh. And especially when he's like, sometimes it takes them a little while to warm up. <laughs> you, you know, and that to me was, that took me out of the movie, that whole segment. Yeah. Because like, uh, you know, and it's a sad story because there was more to that character. You right. Know? Were you thinking about the fact that that actor died, died in, a, in car a car accident no. while you were watching the movie? No, I wasn't. I was just like this really has really nothing to do with anything although you well could, that's you could say that about anything yeah, in the movie. yeah but, any but it just segments. comes out of nowhere too you know so yeah uh i don't know I, I i didn't love it i was like what this is just another this is a bit that just kind of doesn't like if you lost all of that it wouldn't change the movie at all well i think that's true of almost anything in the movie that if you if you cut out all of those bits you could still tell the whole story but the story is not that interesting as we were just saying it's a basic hollywood formula that just kind of exists to get to the crazy comedy bits. Yeah. I, I mean, you couldn't cut out Stanley Spadowski's, you know, you taking over the TV show. Right. No, you that, couldn't but. cut that out, but all of the little parodies, things like Raul's wild kingdom and the little movie trailers, Gandhi and the fantasy, too. right. The fantasy <laughs> sequences and all of that stuff you could cut out, but that's what makes the movie funny. No, I, I, that one just didn't work for me. Yeah, you oh, know? that's fair. And maybe it would have as a kid, but you know, again, it like, because uh, uh, what did he do before the poodle? Like, there was another. Oh, he the turtle is nature's suction cup, yeah, and he, he licks just, it and I, throws I it on the ceiling. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just find, I mean, because it's uh, it's absurd, and Weird Al has such. I mean, that's that's the sense of humor is just this this absurdity. And it doesn't really make sense. And in some cases, it's like, well, what even is the punchline? But it's just like the punchline is the ridiculousness of it. No, and I'm cool with that. Obviously, I chose Cabin Boy in season one. Right? That's true. So, yeah, Cabin Boy does have, um, uh, I feel like, has some stuff in common with this. Right. So, so did Jason, do you like this movie? I did. I did like it. Yeah. yeah. It's super fun and easy to watch. And, you know, I wonder if people who never saw Half-Baked or something when uh, when that came out, if they watched it having no reference point, what they would think of it, the, what they would think of it today, and I think that's what people would probably feel like with UHF, right? Although weed is still more prevalent than UHF stations, right? I mean, and I uh, think even though UHF stations don't exist anymore, you can understand the concept of it pretty easily. Well, the other thing, Josh, as you know, like you know, this past fall, I produced the fantasy football TV show, but every week I would do two comedy sketches. And a lot of them were either movie parodies or like uh, crappy lawyer commercials. So like I have a very uh, warm place uh, in the cockles of my soul for stuff like this. So, right. And it just looked like they were having a lot of fun and that, you know, and you're like, it's 1989. It's the, you know, the, the height of the home video boom. And, and this is, a, they're having a good time, man. So I liked it. Yeah. Well, right. What would be your, do you have a favorite segment of like just the random, you know, parody segments? Yeah. So first of all, I, like I said, Michael Richards is, Oh, he's like, great. Just it? watching him, the, the way he does things physically is like, this guy could have been Chaplin, you know, like he is incredible. Um, I liked the, uh, 
Beverly Beverly Hillbillies shot by shot for shot remake of Money for Nothing, you know, uh, which Mark Knopfler insisted on playing guitar on, which I thought was cool, you know. And um, I also like the fashion. I noticed I would be like, "Ooh, I'd wear that shirt." <laughs> yeah, you do have a similar fashion sense to, <laughs> to Weird Al. All of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like Code in the Librarian's funny. But those are like one joke, quick hits, right? Right, so, but that's okay. Right. Like, I feel like the joke is funny, and I mean, part of why it's funny is because it's so obvious and dumb, and yet they just commit to it. Yeah, and Josh, I think you know we've mentioned in this on the show in the past how we tried to write Miracle Beach Two, the Lucky <laughs> Wish, our yes. like first attempt at a script, and we had a TV talk show in there, the Gary Coleman show. Do you remember? Oh yeah. This? Yeah. So we had a talk show with Gary Coleman that was very Jerry Springer esque. So I like town talk on uh, this, where you know, it's they're just throwing chairs at each other for no reason. Right, right. I mean, at that time, that was all Geraldo Rivera that they're making fun of, and he actually did, I think, get his nose broken by some unruly guest and he unlocked Al Capone's vault. Like they unlock uh, Al Capone's glove compartment in this movie. And I do like some of the random stuff. Like at the beginning, you're like, uh, when they're like the aunt is telling the uncle, like, I know who could run your station. And then they just cut to a shot of weird Al with a dog and a punch bowl. Like, like that's the weird stuff. I like that goes like totally one step beyond for no reason of weirdness yes yeah all of that stuff i feel like it's 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 always just making weird jokes and that they just then move on from you know can i tell you my favorite moment of something like that is uh when Fletcher says to the one guy, and take that ridiculous thing off. He takes <laughs> he's, his wearing, mustache. he's wearing that yes. big addy. That, that is, that is <laughs> one of the funniest so bits in the whole movie. Um, yeah, I mean, some of this stuff, like I could probably recite half this movie as I yeah. was Do it right it. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's hard to tell in, in some ways, like, is it just because I remember being so amused by this or is it really well done? And I think it is, I mean, I can understand some of the criticisms, especially from a structure standpoint, that it is barely like there's very little story and it's really just a series of sketches. But as far as the humor goes, I still think it's all really funny. I actually think the structure was fine. Like it's you, they put stuff in an act one that paid off in act three. Like, uh, is it Philo or Philo? Oh, Philo, the, Philo. the crazy right. engineer at the station. Right. Where he's like testing the power of the tower on weird al that he uses to override the system in act three and i mean it's hey we got a station and now we have to make money with the station which they do and now it's we have to save the station because you know, uncle's a degenerate gambler like all of it structurally was was okay i thought yeah i mean it's not that it doesn't make sense but it's just very rudimentary um and there's a lot more creativity in the comedy bits than there is in the story but that that isn't a problem. Um, I mean, the, the arc of uh, George Newman, Weird Al's character, getting dumped by his girlfriend and then she takes him back. I mean, that there barely no exists. Arc. There's yeah. no arc. Yeah. He just begs to have her back. Right. <laughs> and I mean, that that whole thing feels like they thought, well, our main character has to have a love interest. So they threw that in and there's not much going on with that character. Yeah. You, you, earlier, you, were, you had mentioned or you had asked if it took me out of the movie uh, when we did Rebels Wild Kingdom or whatever it was. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, because I knew the actor had died. No, but can you watch a Victoria Jackson performance? 
who's fine, who's perfectly adequate in yeah, this she's film. she's fine in this movie. And think like, wow, she's totally batshit insane now, right? So. She is totally insane now. But I mean, I feel like there's so many actors that have so many personal issues that if if it's a good performance and it's a good movie, then I, that doesn't bother me. You're saying Tom Sizemore should have played the girlfriend? I mean, that would have been a choice. <laughs> I would have been interested to see how that worked out. The other two names, Jennifer Tilly, who, how do you, that seems like a natural fit, those two together. Yeah. And Ellen DeGeneres, who Weird Al said was their first choice, and he still doesn't know how she didn't end up with the part. <laughs> I mean, those would have been fine. Jennifer Tilly, I feel like, has more like wacky energy that she might have brought to it. Although in 1989, I don't know if she was doing that kind of thing. She does now. I think she did, and it would have been fun to see her. I would have personally, if, that, if they had cast Jennifer Tilly, written definitely written a scene for her to play off a of Fran Dresser with just for the voices alone. Yeah. Who's good in this movie, Fran Dresser? Yeah, Fran Dresser is funny as Pamela Finkelstein, the receptionist slash news anchor who uh just wants to get on the air with her uh little person camera. Noodles. Hanoodles. Hanoodles Macintosh or McIntyre. <laughs> good good name. Yes, good at name. your service. There's a lot yeah. of good names. This was one in the in the Siskel and Ebert review, one of the things Roger Ebert said is that any comedy that feels the need to give its characters wacky names has failed. I like the names. I like the names too. And uh and then they they go on to trash Weird Al's name. Like uh, his own actual name, Weird Al. Right. Yes. Uh since I had brought it up uh uh, Christopher Lloyd was the other name they were thinking about for Stanley, but it had to be Michael Richards. Yeah, he is really fantastic. And it reminds you because other than Seinfeld, nothing that he's done really is well known. And he barely works anymore at all. So it really reminds you of that he could have been a really strong comedic actor in a lot of different things and, and just never was. Right. He was uh, Problem Child. Was he in Problem Child? Was he? I don't know. Maybe. And I, I loved uh, Unstrung Heroes, which is a film from the 90s that I think diane keaton directed and he's great in uh, which i would love to see i haven't seen it since the 90s but um i agree with you i his talent is i you could say seinfeld and weird al were the only two who kind of uh utilized his talents correctly right know? right and speaking of seinfeld one of the alternate castings here i did see that that weird al wanted jerry seinfeld to play bob the sort of straight man friend of george newman and uh, instead they got uh david Bo, yeah, who I don't know anything they else got about. David Bowie. That would have been so. David Bowie could have played Philo. That would have been an interesting. Well, Philo, role. the two names were Joel Hodgson from uh, Mystery Science Theater yeah, and Crispin Glover. And Crispin Glover said the only role he would play is Crazy Ernie, which I love. The uh, yeah, the car salesman yeah. who says, "I'll club this seal to make a deal." That's another really funny line that I think I had forgotten about. That I, I like that Spatula I City. Yeah. Spatula City is Josh has a Spatula City. T-shirt, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, I, was I forgot gonna... that I was. I wore this on purpose, and then I forgot that I was wearing it. I was gonna say, Josh, that you are a miserable, worthless hunk of slime. As Weird Al calls himself in the movie, but now that you have a Spatula City T-shirt on, there's no way I could say that. Although, do you know the story about the billboard of Spatula? Oh, that they they bought the billboard, and uh, it was on a sort of little Highway. used back road, but they left it up because no one else wanted to buy and, it, and people kept asking about spatula there is spatula <laughs> city because everyone wants to go to spatula city yeah. yeah those are those are really funny and i mean one thing i i know is that there's a lot of these things are very specific parodies of things that at the time that i watched this movie when i was a kid i didn't know what any of those things were 
And I mean, I'm sure I knew Indiana Jones. It opens with this elaborate Raiders of the Lost Ark parody. Um, and that I'm sure I was familiar with as a kid. But a lot of this other stuff, I didn't know even like Rambo or like Gone with the Close Wind. Close Encounters. Yeah, Close Encounters, any of that stuff. And yet I still thought this stuff was so funny when I was a kid. And that's like listening to Weird Al songs. There are tons of Weird Al parodies that came out when I was a kid where I didn't know what the original was. And in some cases, I still may not know. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and yet I still found those songs funny. Well, the Raiders thing at the beginning, you know, where the, the boulders rolling through different environments we've all seen so many parodies of it i'm wondering was was it already played out by the time this one came on i don't know because yeah i don't know either i mean that certainly was like a really really well known i mean that movie was massively successful and in 89 i mean this came out opposite the third indiana jones movie right which is one of the reasons why it failed they tried to use that that sequence to help market it to right. use some of that Indiana juice, but it didn't, uh, it didn't work out. And my thing with the Rambo sequence, which I thought was actually a good sequence and actually Stallone had agreed to do it was, which I think is yeah, funny. do a cameo as the guy selling uh, the helicopter tickets. Yeah. My thing with that is it kind of, we're already in like the big chase in act three. And like, again, it like that didn't help propel the movie to the next thing kind of took me out of like okay well now we're actually in an important story point like we should kind of be there right. as ridiculous as that sounds <laughs> yeah yeah no that's fair it does come very late in the movie but i thought one thing i noticed this time that that i was sort of impressed with is that you think of or at least i think of all these fantasy sequences whatever as not really being relevant to the story but every time george sort of sort of ends up daydreaming a movie parody they do come back to it being relevant. You know, at the beginning, he's thinking about being Indiana Jones and he's, and that leads to getting him getting fired from his burger job because he's not paying attention to what he's doing. Uh, you know, he falls asleep and he has that money for nothing, Beverly Hillbillies parody. And that leads to him missing dinner with the girlfriend and they break up. And even that Rambo sequence, while it is sort of like, a distraction in some ways from the urgency of he's got to go rescue Stanley. At the same time, he imagines himself as Rambo, who's like completely invincible. And then you see him barge into where they've kidnapped Stanley and he thinks he's all invincible, but of course he's not. And they immediately grab him too. So it, it, it had a little bit of relevance. Uh, you're, you're playing with a very loose thread there, my friend. <laughs> I thought that considering again, considering that the general impression of this movie and even the impression that I had of the movie is that as funny as those parodies are, they're not really relevant to the story. I was like, okay, they, they at least put some effort in, to tie them back together. In I some agree. Way. I definitely agree with that. And like I said, I thought structurally I was not banging my head against the wall. Like what the hell is, why, why did you guys do this? It was cool. It yeah. was fine. Yeah. 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 It is cool and fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that Rambo parody, which is really a parody of the second Rambo movie. I had, I watched that second Rambo movie for the first time, uh, like a few months ago before the most recent Rambo movie came out. And watching Rambo First Blood Part 2, it is astounding how little difference there is between that and the parody in UHF. Like you think you watch that bit in UHF and you think this is so over the top and crazy. And then you watch Rambo and you realize it is almost exactly the same. <laughs> you know what else is over the top and crazy, which I was amused by? There's the it's an important uh, line where uh, 
RJ, right? The RJ Fletcher, yeah, yeah, the evil uh, rival station yeah, owner. who's going to tear down the station because, as they ask, isn't it illegal to own two television stations in the same town? <laughs> yeah, that uh, it was at the time true, but of course it's very not, not true not, anymore. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I think we have to mention Kevin McCarthy as RJ Fletcher because he is fantastic. Like he really commits He's a real to asshole. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the great villains. Yeah. And like <laughs> he does the evil laugh like multiple times in this movie. Yeah. They really went all out making him a bad, bad guy here. Right. And I think that's part of what's funny about the movie. He's not just like kind of a shady businessman. He is sadistically evil, like gratuitously evil to everyone around him, including his whiny son, who is another very funny character who's going to say, Dad. Yeah, he, de- <laughs> he definitely goes all in on that, which yeah. is funny. When, when Billy, when Hanoodles trips him at the end and he goes, Aah. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. And Kevin McCarthy, of course, like, I always still remember him from the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That was probably, even though he worked constantly for like 60 years yeah that's what people know him for and uh very uh game for being ridiculous in this movie i also thought it was weird um when they were putting up their false schedule um as we know dave is always pitching us a show called bestiality today (laughs) and i was wondering dave is this where you got it from that's your new is that your new podcast that you're producing (laughs) stay tuned folks Yeah, there's a ton of little just random jokes in in the the names of the shows that they put up on the schedule, the Volcano Worshippers Hour and uh, which he had a club in high school. Yeah, Weird Al is something that he actually did and a lot of a lot of little uh just background jokes and stuff like that in this in this movie which I think are great. It's fun. it's fun. Uh, like it's the type of movie I, you would probably want to be a part of. Yeah, like you said, it it seems like they had a lot of fun making it. I'm sure they hoped it would be a big, huge success and launch Weird Al into a new phase of his career making movies. Which it did as the center square on Hollywood squares. So. Yeah, I mean, eventually he uh, he did a lot of other uh, TV work. At least he still has not made another movie, right? Uh, and he said this one like until the Nirvana video, you know, came out. Uh, the, this like kind of like the reception kind of dulled his creativity. Right. And his career too. Like you were saying, he was big on MTV at this time. He was definitely famous. And then I think he had a slight down period before coming back in the nineties and then just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But yeah, for me, at least in 1989, when I was 10, like weird Al was the coolest thing around. Like definitely for 10 year olds, weird Al was it. I thought he was all right. I, yeah, I don't know how I got it. Maybe my friends were into him or whatever, but I was really like all in on Weird Al. And I remember getting that, that cassette and it wasn't even like whatever was popular at the time. It was Weird Al's first album from like six years earlier. Cause I was going to start at the beginning and really build up my Weird Al collection. I want to say one other funny bit. Yes. It's ridiculous. Was a homeless man on the bench sitting next to the blind man doing a Rubik's cube. <laughs> Who would just adjust the right. rubik's cube, hand it to the oldest man, and go, "Is this it?" And he'd go, "Nope." And then he could <laughs> hand it back, adjust it again, "Is this it?" "Nope." And it's a freaking rubik's cube, so that yes. you could have come back to that like uh, that was like maybe ten minutes in the movie. You could have come back to that like at the end of the movie and still been doing it, and it would have been funny to me. Yeah, there's so much of that, uh, just random weird stuff. Right. Uh, I love, I love getting, even though it's a 
problematic. Geri Watanabe as Kuni, the uh, karate instructor, uh, who's a bit of a stereotype, but not in a a mean-spirited way at all. And I still think it's funny, and I think you can can still laugh at it. But, you know, when they jump out of the supply closet and yell, supplies! But but that's that's more punny than, like... uh... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was bad. Is no, I don't think it's bad either. But I can see how people might look at that and cringe a little now. But it's just so. It's not mean spirited, and there's nothing about this movie that's mean spirited. And so I think you you get the sense that it's it's loving, it's it's positive, and I mean that was another one where they wrote the part for him, and you know he plays it wonderfully. He's very funny, and the the whole wheel of fish sequence. Are you ready, Weaver? I love that he refers to the, that's the contestant, Phyllis Weaver. And uh, see, I yeah, I remember all these little bits in the box. I'm sure my friends and I, when I was this age, would would definitely uh, say things to each other like that. You know, stupid. You're so stupid. Yeah, and to me, I still go to Michael Richards making a child drink from a fire hose (laughs) and his story of how he got a mop for his birthday at the age of eight. It was his prized possession. It's kind of dark. Some of that stuff. It's funny. Yes, it is funny, but yeah, you could, you think about it and it is, uh, what kind of life did Stanley Spadowski have as an eight year old? I mean, even as an adult, it didn't seem to matter. He probably, you know, he's his own Walter Mitty, even though that's what the George, that's Newman, George Newman, yeah, Alfred E. Newman. We need a, a, a really dark Stanley Spadowski like origin story movie. Sta- I yes. could see like if they did like <laughs> Stanley Spadowski American Psycho or something <laughs> like that. So, so get, get Michael Richards out of retirement to return as Stanley Spadowski 30 years later. Dave, uh, do you think Dave's hair is a little more Michael Richards or a little more Weird Al today? Well, Dave, we always talk about Dave's hair. Like now, because it's shorter, it's not so much, but I I remember when your hair was longer mm-hmm. um when i would describe you to people i would say oh the guy who looks like weird al like that, that was the way that was my go-to i feel like of all the things we've compared dave to how he would, looks the most like how weird would al. you describe me to people no comment uh, come on, man. <laughs> I, I don't know i uh he's uh he's bald and has a big beard not right now i'm saying in oh, oh yeah when? like I back mean, in the day i would always say you look like the encyclopedia britannica oh guy. yeah i remember that nobody remembers jack who that Nose is anymore worthy, right? yeah Was that him? Who? i don't think so was it not jack Nose i don't movie? know i mean i remember those commercials but yeah yeah where was his movie <laughs> right <laughs> he just had that mtv show uh, Jack Noseworthy did. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Was he the guy in those commercials? I feel like it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I always people would compare me to uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. I think, which maybe not now because he's uh, he's a little haggard looking and worn out. Yeah. I but. used to get Seth Rogen when I had hair and uh, not as fat as I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like when we were in high school. Uh, maybe I don't know. I had an ex girlfriend who said I was shaped like a silverback gorilla. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> That's pretty good. So. Uh, I, I, for the record, never said describe you in any of these ways, but um, Seth Rogen isn't okay. I feel like your brother looks more like Seth Rogen than you do. He's too thin now. Yeah, so, that's yeah. true. And you're too fat. You need to like get, get a middle ground and just you can... to Rogan it out. Yes. <laughs> anyway, UHF. Uh, we, uh, should we give it our, uh, our um what do you want to rate it on towers uh uh, uh satellite towers. they're not sour huh i'm flying poodles 
flying poodles. No, I didn't like that. You don't bit, like man. the flying poodles. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, it doesn't matter. Marbles in the oatmeal? Sure. We can do that. Sure. Okay. How many marbles in the oatmeal will you give this movie? Uh, I'm going to give it three. Three okay. marbles. All right. That's not terrible. I, I give it a four. I mean, it's like a five in my heart just because how much nostalgia I have for it. But I can see that it's not, you know, it's not perfect, but it just makes me laugh and I always enjoy watching it. Dave, uh, I assume you give this 18 out of five. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Let's just go with that. You're so lucky you found a woman who loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Does Gina like this movie? Gina, Dave's fiance. I don't know if she's ever seen it, to be honest. What? You yeah. didn't make her watch this on your first date? Gina. <laughs> Gina, do you hear us? We're recording in Dave's. She's upstairs, right? I know. Now. Yes, <laughs> Gina. Oh, let's have a guest appearance, real fast. Yeah. F- fantastic photographer Gina Mazzoni. On her way down. Did you see? Um, this is did you see UHF, Gina? Why do you love him, Gina? <laughs> let's let's not make her answer that. She loves uh, the, the ten. ten. Yeah, a reference to season two. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Gina. Thanks, Gina. You can you can go back upstairs where you've been locked away for many a month. Luckily, I have a microphone on the stairs, so we can yeah. ca- capture all that Let's audio. Let's definitely so. edit all of that. <laughs> are, you gonna, are you going to yell at her when we leave? I told you not to come down. <laughs> I'm doing business here. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Well, come back with some legacy thoughts. Yeah, let's do that. We'll be right back. Do not listen while hungry. Hi, my name is Stephanie Barajas, host of All Rice, No Beans, a podcast all about restaurants and the people behind some of your favorite spots to eat, where we talk about how they started, all the ups and downs, and my favorite part, the food and drinks. Ooh, and let's not forget about the desserts. So subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow me on all social media because I have the pictures of all the food. And if you want to be on my podcast and you're a restaurant owner or in the business, email me at allricenobeanspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, you were warned. Don't listen while hungry. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1989, we've been talking about the pick from our producer, David Rosen, and we've been insulting him. It's Weird Al's UHF. It is, and we all liked it yeah. uh, to varying degrees. Varying degrees, yes. Yeah, I mean, I can understand, especially if you didn't grow up with it, that coming to it without that nostalgia feel, it's not as... I'd love to show it to like a millennial who has no context of it. Yeah. yeah. I think it would go over really well, quite honestly, because of all this, you know, the weird shit that's really popular now, the Adult Swim kind of stuff and all right. that. Right. I, I mean, and that, right in. that actually goes into part of the legacy, which is that Weird Al has been hugely influential on like a whole generation of comedy. And people who watched this movie probably on HBO or whatever as kids and then grew up to be people who make shows for Adult Swim or Comedy Bang Bang or whatever, they all loved Weird Al. Yes, including Zach Walk, who was a producer on Tim and Eric, who made the web series The Real UHF in the 90s with Dr. Demento, Neil Hamburger, and Count Smokula. I don't know Count Smokula. That's research, guys. Good job. That's wow. research. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, and, and I think a large part of Weird Al's subsequent career, especially appearing on TV shows and doing animation voice work and all of this stuff that he's been able to do beyond his music really comes out of 
all of these fans who saw him and heard him when they were kids. Well, I was trying to make a list of like movies like this, where it's like a novelty act who gets a movie, right? Like we mentioned chairman of the board. Um, also in 1998 ringmaster, the Jerry Springer movie. <laughs> oh know? man, these are terrible movies to compare it well, to. Well, these are, this is what I figured Dave's Pixar for these years, 2006. <laughs> yeah. Dave, a huge Jerry Springer. Dave's going to pick Larry, the cable guy health inspector. <laughs> oh my God. Of course, 1989, Dave also could have picked no holds barred the Hulk Hogan, tiny Lister classic. Oh man. And then in 1992, double trouble with those two giant twins. Ooh. Peter Paul and David Paul, the twins. Oh man, I don't know that one. I was thinking of the double something else, the one with John Claude Van Damme. Double Jeopardy. Double Impact. Double. No, Double Jeopardy is an Ashley Judd movie. Yeah, I'm not gonna pick any of those, but in 2001, I am gonna pick Freddy Got Fingered. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good. I was thinking more of like Wayne's World is a is a movie that that I think owes a lot to UHF. It's also about like it's about a cable access show. And it is, like you were saying, these kind of one-off. I mean, there were two Wayne's World movies, but they were definitely like goofy pop culture figures who got their own movie. They were so much smarter. And I know you can you can love UHF all you want, but Wayne's World is a much smarter movie. I, don't, I feel like Wayne's World is a very similar movie, that there's a lot of random parody stuff in it that doesn't really have anything to do with the story. And it's kind of this rudimentary thing where they have to save. I mean, in that case, it's like, they save themselves from selling out or whatever. I mean, I love Wayne's World, but I think I love Wayne's World for all the same reasons I love UHF. Um, what about right now? Impractical Jokers, the movie. Oh, man, they're the worst. But yes, <laughs> that is a good comparison. Uh, I was also thinking of something like Be Kind Rewind. That's about it's, you know, they're not pop culture characters outside of the movie, but it's very much about like these goofy guys who make their own cultural uh, artifacts in order to save the business. I don't know, man. I think that's a little, you're maybe overestimating uh, the the influence of this because you can go back to like Kentucky Fried movie and say that those kind of spoofs were being created then or the airplane with the Zucker brothers, right? Right. So. I mean, it's, but it's, it's a, it's a continuum. I mean, those movies influenced this, but then this became like a huge part of that genre and i guarantee you people who made those subsequent movies saw this I and took a, something from I it i thought the adult swim one was, was yeah. fair and accurate all right all right yeah yeah i mean weird al himself has been involved with a bunch of adult swim productions from tim and eric to to comment i think it's, oh no comedy bang bang is an adult swim that's like IFC. ifc yeah i think it's also important to note that uh for someone like weird al who is mainly famous for parodies that it makes sense for his movie to be filled with all these things, you know, and that that's part of the reason why it works so well, I think. Yeah. I mean, especially at the time when he was still like somewhat early in his career and all people knew yeah. were the parodies, like if he's going to make a movie, of course, people expect movie parodies in his movie. Like they expect music parodies in his music. Yeah. Just like when we watch chairman of the board, we want to see wacky props and how they affect Carrot Top's acumen as a business leader, the yeah. chairman. Have of the you board. seen Chairman of the Board? I have never seen nah, it. So. I never. The only thing I've seen is that famous Conan O'Brien interview. Have you seen this? No. With it's with Norm Macdonald and Courtney Thornsmith, and Courtney Thornsmith is on to probably promote like Melrose Place or something. <laughs> yes. But she was the the like romantic lead and chairman of the board. Yes. And she's done her interview, and then Norm Macdonald comes out for his interview, and she's sitting next to him, and he just spends the whole time shitting on chairman of the board <laughs> yeah. to the point where I'm pretty sure she gets up and leaves. It's hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. 
Although you could say dirty work is a norm classic, another one that fits in this kind of like it really does, yeah. Character, yeah. story type. Yeah, I, I again, Norm Macdonald seems like someone who I'm sure loves Weird Al. You don't know that. I, no, You're I don't know for sure, but I feel like there's Everyone does. there's a lot of connection there. And Weird Al, of course, now as I was saying before, is is totally beloved. I yeah. mean, in a way that he was not in 1989. He's like a cultural institution yeah i'm you're wondering when he's gonna end up on one of these cable shows as a wacky uncle or something like that yeah i mean he's done stuff like that more in in voice work he's done a lot of animation where he's played uh ongoing characters but i mean i feel like weird al has been so successful that if he did something like that it would be because it was like a cool project right like he doesn't need work at this point he's made his money. He's done very well for himself. Okay, we get it. You love Weird Al. I mean, I do love Weird Al, but I think I'm not alone. Maybe in 1989, it was a much smaller community of people who loved Weird Al, but now it's everywhere. Dave, who's better, Weird Al or uh, New Order? <laughs> Weird Al by a huge margin. Sorry. This conversation is <laughs> not even <laughs> legitimate anymore. Yeah. Let's move on, Josh, yes, to social let's. media. Or what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, do we have any other things to talk about with the legacy? I mean, other than Weird Al, I mean, there's also, we, well, we talked a bit about Michael Richards and his career and how he never, you know, he went on to sign. Seinfeld was after this, but, um, you know, and that was obviously huge for him, but he never became this star on his own that this movie indicates that probably he could have been with a, a wider variety of roles. So, um, and this was Fran Drescher, one of her earliest roles as well was, was before the nanny and before she was known for her particular Fran Drescher persona. So I feel like it shows they had a good eye for talent for people who would go yeah, on to bigger things. For sure. Did you, I thought Fran Drescher, very sexy in this movie. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Pamela Finkelstein, sex symbol, potentially. <laughs> Just saying like, you yeah. Know. I mean, and, and they play that up. Whereas Victoria Jackson um, not only is she a completely boring character, but she just like looks boring in this movie. Like, I mean, maybe Weird Al was not comfortable with being a romantic leading man. You notice they never even kiss until that bit, the Gone with the Wind parody at the end where you don't even really see them kiss. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if he was comfortable with anything like that. But um, yeah, she's just very dowdy in this movie. Uh, and, and we mentioned her legacy of being a completely <laughs> insane person. <laughs> And that's where we should end it, Josh. I've got two quick little legacy things yes, to throw uh, in there. And that's where we will not end it, Josh. <laughs> yeah, we got a little longer. Uh, no, but first of all, first time I ever hung out with Josh Bell uh, outside of just a random movie screening here and there was at your house for your birthday to watch UHF. Oh, oh that's is, true. This has uh, nothing to do with the legacy of the film. <laughs> that is legacy. The legacy of the film is, is my birthday party. That's yeah. right. Which that Jason legacy. was possibly also at. I, I was. I was, but not for that. Part. Not for UHF. Okay. Just, oh yeah, you weren't there. That's yeah. Huh? Yeah. All right. Right. Well, it does. If it doesn't involve Jason directly, then he doesn't want to talk. Yeah. Exactly. No, I just. I mean, I've been waiting for your legacy. All right. Oh, What's your other point, Dave? The, the other point is uh, 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 me, Jewish Dave, and my comedy rap career, go. which is incredibly yeah. influenced by everything on screen. And that's UHF. a fair legacy point. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Josh's birthday party. So. Well, this show wouldn't. You know, we wouldn't all. Right. That's true. Know. Awesome movie here might not exist yeah, if Dave so. and I hadn't hung out. Out. That's right. And so. some people might think that's for the better. Yeah, but those people Aww. aren't in this room. But keep listening to us, everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep listening. Is now, Jewish that- Dave ever coming back? No, absolutely not. Uh, but, you know, 
it's out there. You could search for it, and it's terrible. Will there ever be like a reunion show? There was at Polygrind a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. We we might do a little something here and there at some point, but uh, it's incredibly offensive, and I don't know if now is the time to bring it back. So that's that's fair. All right, Jason, you want this episode to end, so let's end it. I think we've said everything that we can right, pretty much right. say on it. Yeah, so go ahead. What's uh what's our social media? Um, uh, Jason Harris Comedy at Facebook and Instagram. J Harris Comedy on Twitter. And uh, we are uh, Awesome Movie Year, Facebook and Instagram, Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Also, my website, goforjason.com, under construction. Still under construction. It's like a road in Las Vegas. <laughs> I am at joshbellhateseverything.com, which is not under construction because it's looked the same since 2004. You can also find me at Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook and at Signal Bleed on Twitter. And listen to David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. You can find Piecing It Together wherever you listen to this podcast and also on social media at Piecing Pod. What do we have for our next episode, Jason? It is, well, it's the category of cult classic, which this could have fit into as well. Absolutely. But we are choosing another cult classic from 1989, the aptly titled (laughs) Gleaming the Cube. What does Gleaming the Cube mean? We still might not know. (laughs) I was going to try and pretend like we did and say, tune in next time to find out. Because we know. Yes. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west.